The Trumpet Daily Program begins right now. Today's world news, what it means, where it's taking us. I bring you the one and only possible message of world peace. This is a message of hope, tremendous hope. And he said unto me, you must prophesy again. The Trumpet Daily Program begins right now. You're left to wonder why this report spends time making gratuitous and inappropriate criticisms of the president. The gratuitous comments in the report and the gratuitous comments in the report are troubling and they're inappropriate. Reality is that report, that part of the report does not live in reality. It just doesn't. So the special counsel it is, is it, it is, it is, it is, it was gratuitous. Uh, it is unacceptable and it does not live in reality. That is just the facts. The comments that were made by that prosecutor, gratuitous, inaccurate, and inappropriate. And of course, that confidence, that expectation was completely betrayed here, uh, completely betrayed. Uh, and so, you know, in hindsight, it's too easy to say he should have just appointed someone he knew would be more impartial. But, uh, you know, ideally, you appoint a prosecutor that will improve public confidence in the report. You don't expect them to be a hack. And in this case, uh, he misjudged Mr. Herb. Here's what matters, not the occasional small gaffe. He had a 12-minute press conference where he was focused, engaged, purposeful, and all you're focused on is that one minute at the well, end. That's, that's- and the idea that somehow Joe Biden forgot the date of his son's death is offensive and appalling. Yeah, listen, that report was gratuitous. They're right to be... But what do you do now? Because it's out there. It's out there. And it's not the first time, right? It's cementing a narrative that's already out there. I would say I don't think that her is a good faith actor. And I think that 345 pages of that show that. I mean, he's not a neurologist, right? President Biden, uh, as you say, he's my friend. I help him when I can. There's no no secret about that. I think that he has proven himself again and again to be a hugely effective president. I have no anxieties about his capacity to make important decisions for the country. Well, Peter, let me start with you because you were working your sources overnight. Yeah. You got this extraordinary statement, fundraising email from the first lady basically blasting the special counsel report. What are your sources telling you about that and the potential shift in strategy? Well, she said, among uh, other things in that statement, she said that this Robert Hur, the special counsel, was trying to score political points, said you don't measure the death of your son in years. You measure it in grief. She said, among other things, that she wanted to speak out in real American mom terms, mm. say that this wasn't just inaccurate, that it was inhumane. And then she also wanted to make another argument that the first lady did there. She said that Americans benefit from each of the president's 81 years. Sam uh, Sam wasn't in town over the weekend, so we were unable to put together a Taylor Swift montage. There you go. We got that together instead with the help of all the others supporting this, uh, this particular show. You're listening to Stephen Flurry, and this is the Trumpet Daily. We appreciate you joining us on this good mo- Monday morning. If it is morning where you happen to be listening... You can get to the live video stream of this show every weekday morning at 11 a.m. in the central time zone of the United States. Just go to TrumpetDaily.com or to the Rumble channel, rumble.com forward slash Trumpet Daily. Speaking of Rumble, we had our 
Sunday promotion, even on Super Bowl Sunday, we've only been doing it three Sundays now, but uh, it set a record. I think uh, last I checked, it was uh, Friday's show, which Rumble promoted yesterday, uh, has something like 145,000 views, and uh, we added more than uh, 200 followers, I believe, so uh, it's just been a great uh, promotion for us. We have that on Sundays, and then, of course, every uh, evening on LFA TV, live from America TV. Uh, we get a replay of this show, which also pulls in several thousand views per night. So lots of ways to, to get to this program, and lots of people are, uh, are doing that, which is encouraging to see. We've got a lot to get to on today's show. There's a great piece by Jonathan Turley just talking about uh, how great of a week it was last week for the bad orange man, for Donald Trump. And uh, it really made some similar points that we've been making uh, recently about how so many of these, these attacks, these unhinged, deranged, irrational attacks aimed at Donald Trump, they're backfiring. And it's as if, I, I got into this in a program a couple weeks ago, but it's as if God is just leading these persecutors into traps time and time again. We'll get to that. I'll have to take you through the article, uh, most of it, uh, and slowly enough so that we can really just absorb uh, some of those points that we've been making ourselves on uh, this show. Um, just in thinking about tomorrow's news today, what we often talk about with respect to this magazine, the monthly magazine that we put out. If you don't have a subscription, there's no cost, no obligation. Just to call our operators today. And, uh, and order one year, a one-year subscription to The Trumpet magazine. This is all that I'll say about Taylor Swift. We had some good laughs as she appeared on the game last night. Uh, but just think about what this, as one of my news gatherers said, there were articles tracking her every movement. She was flying back from Asia somewhere, and, and they were very concerned. People were very concerned if she was going to make it in time for the Super Bowl. And then you've got the other articles that, that go over every word that these two say to the public or to each other or, or tweet out. The music they listen to, it's just crazy. I mean, you think about what, think about what the dear leader is doing to the United States of America. Okay, most Americans like to view the Super Bowl together with other groups uh, of people. Uh, it does, in one sense, bring the country together. But for what? It's just entertainment. And, and this year it's on steroids because you've got this crazy romance going on. And all of these other things happening while we're blinded by not just the Super Bowl, but the entertainment-crazed society that we live in. I mean, the, the country's being fundamentally transformed right before our eyes. But are the eyes of most people even open? Do they see it? Can they see what's happening? Well, as I say, if you don't, if you don't have a subscription to the Trumpet magazine, make sure that you call our operators and become a subscriber so that you can get the headlines, tomorrow's headlines, today. Donald Trump was in uh, South Carolina over the weekend giving a speech. I guess the, uh, the primary comes up there in a, a week or two. Uh, and this is what he had to say on Saturday, clip 13. 
When I return to the White House, I will have no higher priority than cleaning up this rot and this corruption and restoring fair, equal, and impartial justice under the constitutional rule of law. The special counsel's report tries to let Biden off by claiming that he is too mentally incompetent to convict at a trial. But if Joe Biden is not fit to charge. They're not going to charge him with a crime, but it's okay for him to become commander in chief. Think of that one. If he's not fit to be indicted, how is he fit to be the commander in chief? That's uh, Donald Trump talking some sense in South Carolina. And yeah, you listen to the talking heads. It's as if all that he said over the weekend was that Russia should attack a NATO member that doesn't pay his dues. They twist it. Go find I didn't even bring the clip. But he said essentially what he said all during his first term as president, that NATO members should pay their fair share. He made the same point. And they twist it. Oh, he's, yeah, Russia, Russia, Russia. Here we go again. He's right in step with Vladimir Putin. He actually is encouraging Putin to attack NATO members. That's what we were to take away from his speech. That's it. That's it. This, I mean, speaking of the NATO comments and his position on making sure they, they paid up, and as he said in his speech, it actually worked. You had European nations that were finally paying, paying their fair share and not just putting the tab on Uncle Sam. That's what he wanted to accomplish. Now, we at the Trumpet, we talked about how that this is only going to make those European nations band together all the more and and perhaps sever ties. I mean, eventually that's coming. It's prophesied. Sever ties from their ally across the Atlantic, from the United States, and go it alone and build up their own militaries, as so many of them are already doing. So that is significant. Donald Trump's position as compared to every other, it seems, every other U.S. president. But that said, I mean, what he said was essentially the same that he said for four years. And they twisted and they distorted. And then, and then on the very same programs, they, I guess they got the message that, well, we're going to go ahead and go with Biden. He's not going to step out. That's what his campaign manager said. He's not going to quit. He's going to go forward. I mean, we're really at a strange place politically. I mean, just last, just a few days ago, you had the mainstream press, the, the regime media, that was pretty much throwing Biden under the bus. And now they come out in full force to defend the indefensible, to defend the fake president, to defend this illegitimate administration. I love, don't you love how you have Adam Schiff and he's a serial liar. And then you have Jen Psaki, who was the spokesperson for the fake president. And they're there telling you how that this special investigator, Robert Hur, he needed to be more impartial. Oh, okay. More fairness. Right. <laughs> Say the experts on these lopsided investigations that happen all the time. Hur goes in. You, you talk about a, spect- a masterful trap that they're being led into. Leave aside what they're saying about Robert Hur, that he's just a conservative, he's, he, hates, uh, he hates Biden. His report exonerates Biden. It lays out all this evidence of 
criminal behavior of wrongdoing, of doing what they're actually accusing Donald Trump of doing. All the evidence is there. He knows he can't get an indictment because it's Joe Bama's DOJ. So he, give, he, he throws himself a lifeline and says, look, you can't, you can't very well uh, try to prosecute someone like this, because this, he's an old man, he's an elderly man, and he's, he's losing it mentally. And then there's not just the uproar in response, gratuitous, gratuitous, they all got the memo on that word. But, but also the fact that it, it undermines the case against Donald Trump, clearly. It's pretty amazing to watch this happening. Politico, Politico, that's not to say that we know for sure if Biden is going to make it all the way to November. He may be, he may be long gone in a, in a few weeks' time. Who knows what's going to happen? Politico here says, Democrats might need a plan B. Here's what it looks like. So far, Democrats have vigorously avoided any discussion of a plan B for their presidential nominee, but special counsel Robert Hur's report may have forced their hand. It says here, fairly or not, Hur's stinging characterization of President Joe Biden as a well-meaning elderly man with a poor memory and diminished faculties has thrust the president's age and mental fitness into the debate. And you'll know if you've been watching the show, it wasn't but about a week or two where this campaign, Joe Biden's campaign, actually put out a campaign ad suggesting that Donald Trump was losing it mentally. And then this happens. <laughs> you talk about another spectacular backfire, a masterful trap. God led the Worldwide Church of God into that when we were fighting for six years in court for Mystery of the Ages. In all of Herbert Armstrong's writings, they were, I mean, almost to the very end, they were bragging. Oh, yeah, Philadelphia Church of God, you guys are going to take a hit. You're going to have to pay millions and millions and millions. You're not going to get mystery of the ages. And we got all of it. And now we own it. <laughs> and now we distribute it. Mystery of the ages. Free of charge. Again, no cost, no obligation. But look at what they're having to, even as they say, He's, he's, everything's just fine. I mean, listen to these people as they, as they lie. Skip ahead to, uh, to number three. The responsibility of a federal prosecutor is to investigate and learn the facts and apply the law to those facts. The prosecutor did this, the, the special counsel did this in the case, made a conclusion that there is no case, case closed, then made gratuitous unnecessary and inaccurate personal remarks, and those are improper. The most difficult part about a meeting with President Biden is preparing for it, because he is sharp, intensely probing, and detail-oriented and focused. Right, we get it. Sharp, intensely probing, detail-oriented? I mean, he gets, I guess he's sweating under the collar when he goes in to talk to the big guy. They're out there now defending Joe Biden with this. When everyone can see what's actually happening, everyone can hear with their own ears what he actually says. His, uh, this is his uh, campaign co-chair, the guy that's uh, leading the campaign. Listen to what he had to say following on what Mayorkas said earlier. I think this was on the same show, clip number four. 
I can testify because I've been working very closely with this president for the past two years. I've been knowing him for 30 years. I have met with him personally. I have met with him with two people, five people, 10 people. I have been on trips with him crisscrossing the country, rebuilding uh, America based on this incredible infrastructure uh, bill that was passed. And I'm telling you, this guy's tough. He's smart. He's on his game. And as Secretary Mallorca said a minute ago, when you go in to brief the president, you got You better have your big boy pants on. And, and this kind of sense that he's not ready for this job is just a bucket of BS that's so deep, your boots will get stuck in. There you go. And nobody believes it. That's the thing. And the thing of it is, the reason why this is significant is because they're having to talk about it because of this special counsel report, which basically let Biden off the hook. It showed how he was just carelessly dispensing with classified documents to his biographer, to whoever. Papers all over the floor. Everything they've accused Donald Trump of. In in the case of Trump, when they raided Mar-a-Lago, they staged it. Merrick Garland's DOJ staged the photos that they wanted to be distributed around the world. And now here, it's actually happened. And they can't very well just hide behind, well, but now Biden was cooperative and Donald Trump wasn't. Yeah, Trump had a few things to say about that, that reasoning yesterday or, or on Saturday. No, he, co- he cooperates, just the opposite. And Biden had these documents for years and years. He didn't just leave the White House. He had these documents from before he was the fake president. So when he was a senator and a vice president, when he had no presidential records authority to hang on to whatever he wanted to because, well, I'm, I'm working on my autobiography my memoirs. He didn't have any of that. So they caught him. But Robert Hur, if you read between the lines, acknowledged that there's no way, there is no way that Merrick, that Joe Obama's DOJ is going to go after the big guy. It's just not going to happen. And so he, he justified his decision to not recommend an indictment by saying the man's senile. The man's lost it, and he would win sympathy from a jury because of that. This Politico piece says, coupled with the widespread perception that Biden is too old for another term and the fact that he frequently trails former President Donald Trump in swing state polling matchups, it's raised serious questions about whether Biden is positioned to lead the party in November and whether Democrats need a contingency plan. And so then Politico goes on to lay it out. Here's how you could do it. I mean, we're getting pretty late in the game. Pretty late in the game. You're to the point now where you think, is something, you know, is something really bad going to happen? This is, uh, I mean, this is full-scale crisis mode for these people that, as my father has written, time and time again, have demonstrated that they will do anything to maintain their grip on power. It's all about holding on to power. I'm just curious if there's been a pretty big split between the Biden people and the Obama people. We don't know, but listen, this is again, Joe Biden's campaign co-chair and he, they came out in full force over the weekend and said there is no way, no way that the big guy is stepping aside. This is clip two. 
I'm in the process of doing it right now and, and demonstrating that the president's accomplishment have really been second to none. And Joe Biden's going to get up every day. The one thing Joe Biden is never going to do is count on this. He is never, ever going to quit because that's not what he's done his entire life, notwithstanding the fact that, by the way, he lost another Mr. child early Mr. in his life and he got up and he went to work. And then Mr. he Lynch. had difficulty with his other son and he got up and he went to work and he's going to keep doing that uh, as we move the country forward. He's going to keep keep doing it. He's going to keep going forward. He's going to keep carrying out these successful policies that everyone in America hates. Listen to how revealing is it that he's offered, as is customary, he's offered to be the, the, the subject of an interview right before the Super Bowl, right before hundreds of millions of people from around the world tune in. I mean, you talk about free publicity. And he turned it down. His handlers, a lot of the criticism aimed at Biden's response last Thursday, you know, when he came out and hers report had been released and he came out and he was just kind of mumbling and got names confused. And he, the point of the conference or the press uh, gaggle was to basically come out and say, you know, I'm as sharp as I've ever been. And it didn't work out so well. And then, then you've got his defenders in the media criticizing his handlers for sending him out at 7.45 p.m. Think about that for a moment. It's like Donald Trump said. I mean, if he's not fit to be indicted or if he's not fit to give a speech at 7.45, is he fit to be the commander-in-chief? This is James Carville. He's the well-known Democrat strategist. And listen to what he had to say about Biden's age and his, his, his mental acuity. This was uh, from over the weekend as well, clip 11. Well, the president is old. The, the public knows he's old, and he is old. It's just there's no, there's no convincing one way or the other. Well, when you don't accept a Super Bowl interview. You, you're, I don't know, pulling averages, you're three points down in a two-way. Uh, it's the biggest television audience, not even close and you get a chance to do a 20, 25 minute interview on that day and you don't do it, that's a kind of sign that the staff or yourself doesn't have much confidence in you. There's no other way to read this. And he's not gonna do debates. He is old. I, I, I know what it is because I'm almost as old as he is and it's never gonna get better. You never, you know, the day, today is the youngest you'll ever be for the rest of your life. Now, they have made the ch choice that they want to go through with this. I thought the Super Bowl interview was telling. And I totally agree, by the way, about the Super Bowl. It is the one time when the whole country comes together. It's an election year. It's advertising you don't have to pay for. And they passed it up. And like Carville said earlier, he's behind. He's behind in the polls in the swing states. Here is his chance to gain some ground. Here's his chance to plead his case. Here's his chance to lay it out. I mean, I'll get, he did send out a video uh, announcement yesterday about how great the economy is. I'll get to that if we have time later. But he, he wouldn't. How revealing is it that his handlers said uh, in front of a Super Bowl audience? No, not going to happen. Uh, we just, we can't trust what you're going to say. It might end up backfiring. So he passed. 
He passed on a Super Bowl-sized audience yesterday evening. How telling is that? This piece from the Wall Street Journal. Kamala Harris says that she's ready to serve as Biden faces age scrutiny. See what everyone's talking about now? Just a week or two after they release a campaign ad saying that Donald Trump has lost it because he confused Nikki Haley with uh, Nancy Pelosi. It says here, Vice President Harris uh, was detailing her priorities for the campaign during a a flight on Air Force Two. It says here, do voters' concerns about President Biden's age mean she must convince them she's ready to serve? I'm ready to serve, they quote her as saying. There's no question about that, Harris responded bluntly. Everyone, is she saying this about herself, by the way? Everyone who sees her on the job, Harris said, walks away fully aware of my capacity to lead. Everyone I work with says I'm great. Well, that's probably because you're surrounded by sycophants. Everyone who sees me, they know I'm ready. The American people have nothing to worry about here. And oh, by the way, look at how successful our policies have been. They're actually saying this. And because, as I say, so many people are blinded by the entertainment craze that we see all around us. I guess some few would believe what they're hearing. A lot, though, that are just going to the grocery market. They see some things that are very disturbing. Donald Trump talked about the, the, just the wave of invaders coming into the country. And he says on Saturday, who does this? Who just opens their borders wide and says the whole world can come in? I think this is skipping ahead to uh, clip 12. The real problem facing our country is not Joe Biden's decline. The real problem is that Joe Biden is causing America's decline. He's causing it. Who the hell would allow people to pour into our country? Who would allow this to happen? It's another excellent point. You've, you've got to give it up to him. Look, the real problem here is not his decline mentally. It's the fact that he, and by he, and he even called out Obama. I'll come to that clip later. It's, it's they're causing America's decline. Fundamental transformation. That was referred to in another article that I wanted to go through in some detail. I can see the clock is moving <laughs> pretty quick, though. This is from The Blaze. It says more than 30,000 migrants with possible ties to terrorism or other nefarious activity were released into the United States in the last 15 months. The last 15 months. 30,000 with possible ties to terrorism. Who does this? Who does this? Joe Obama does this. That's who. It says Customs and Border Protection data reviewed by the news Uh, outlet revealed that Border Patrol agents logged 20,000 encounters with special interest aliens in fiscal year 2023 and 12,000 so far this year. 32,000. I mean, 12,000 this year, that's, that's January and part of February. This is, I mean, this is leading to an attack, an actual attack, you know, with ammunition, with guns, with explosives, something. They're just letting terrorists roam freely. It says here, the Department of Homeland Security's lexicon terms and definitions describe 
uh, SIA as a foreign national originating from a country determined by individual components identified as having a possible or established link to terrorism. So that means some news agencies like The Blaze, they get in there and they look at the fine print. I mean, they won't do that at the New York Times. They're not going to do that at the Washington Post. But a few news sources are actually serious about uncovering these scandalous statistics. How much longer does the United States have before all of this just explodes? Even in the faces of these Democrats that obviously are looking at the wave or the invasion as Democrat voters that will keep them in power forever. Listen to the DHS secretary, Mayorkas, as he he talks about abandoning Donald Trump's policies, which had the border closed by the end of his presidency. This is clip uh, six. What about reinstituting the remain in Mexico policy? That is something that you terminated. Do you regret terminating it, given that migration has increased in the wake of that? And are you considering reinstating it, working with Mexico to do that? A few things about remain in Mexico. First of all, it depends upon uh, Mexico's agreement. And Mexico has articulated publicly that it will not allow the, the re-implementation of Remain in Mexico, number one. Number two, it's been challenged in the courts. And number three, remember something, that Remain in Mexico was implemented in January of 2019. Yeah. In 2019, there was almost a 100% increase in the number of encounters at our southwest border over 2018. Sure, sure. The uh, Remain in Mexico policy that Trump enforced, it didn't really work. That's what he's saying. At, at the same time that he says, well, hey, Mexico, Mexico uh, wouldn't agree to it. Well, they did under Trump. Why? Because Trump said, if you don't, <laughs> we've got tariffs, we've got funding we can withdraw. You see, Donald Trump actually used some authority. And then Mexico showed up to the negotiating table and said, uh, all right, we'll send you troops. Uh, we'll, we'll have them remain in Mexico. But there's Mayorkas. Hey, it's, it's a, okay, we finally can admit that it's a crisis. It's not, our, it's not our problem. It's Donald Trump. It's Trump's fault. This is clip seven. It certainly is a crisis, and well, we don't bear responsibility for a broken system, and we're doing a tremendous amount within that broken system. But fundamentally, fundamentally, Congress is the only one who can fix it. So check that. I guess it's not Trump. It's uh, Trump and Congress. It's certainly not his fault. He's the, he's the director of the Department of Homeland Security. <laughs> certainly, we don't bear any blame here. We've done it perfectly. It's exactly what we've wanted. Well, I guess now it is a crisis. For three years, of course, he said it's not a crisis. Everything's perfect. Now they've admitted it's a crisis, but they're playing the blame game. Yeah, blame it on the makers of chips, says the fake president yesterday. You know, the cost in the grocery store for snacks. It's the distributors of those, those snacks. Blame them. Don't blame Biden. Don't blame Bidenflation. Coming back to this, uh, this invasion, this is from the Wall Street Journal. It says, according to media accounts of Thursday night's shooting, a security guard at Times Square, uh, a Times Square sporting goods store, confronted a trio of young migrant men who were shoplifting. These are migrants in New York City. 
It says one pulled out a gun and fired at the security guard, missing but striking a Brazilian tourist in the leg. How much longer before tourists decide, you know what, I'm not sure I want to visit big American cities anymore. It says one of the three stayed behind, but the shooter and his other friend ran off. Cops captured the friend. The gunman, however, kept running and shot at the pursuing officers on the block adjacent to the journal before ducking into a subway entrance. Fortunately, he missed and didn't hit any bystanders. He's just randomly shooting through New York, this migrant. Where are the gun, the gun control advocates when you need them? Police on Friday afternoon hunted down and arrested the, su- the suspect, a 15-year-old Venezuelan migrant who had been staying at a hotel that was converted into a migrant shelter. He is also a suspect in a gunpoint robbery and another shooting incident in Midtown Manhattan last month. Well, there you go. They're not sending their best, Donald Trump once said. He's being held without bail. Maybe prosecutors learned a lesson from the public uproar after migrants who were filmed allegedly kicking two police officers in Times Square last month were released. One of them reportedly had two prior arrests for assaulting retail employees and had tried to stop him, that had tried to stop him from shoplifting. Listen to this from the Wall Street Journal. It says, conservatives describe the process by which migrants are apprehended and let loose at the southern border as catch and release. This is New York's version of that practice. So the problems made so much worse by the compassionate catch-and-release program, whether it's at the southern border or at a city near you. Catch them, and then just let them out. Just let them, let them back into the city. doesn't matter the rap sheet that they have. Just let them go. It says here, it's tempting to blame the city's crime on the surge of migrants. The bigger problem, it seems, is its law of the jungle. Migrants have figured out that shoplifting pickpocketing and violence go unpunished we're inviting them all in and then sending them another loving compassionate message listen if you pickpocket if you shoplift if you, if, it, if it's a smaller crime that's fine that's that's no problem just give you a little slap on the wrist if that and and release you back into the city release you back to your five-star hotel Paid for by Uncle Sam. Paid for by the U.S. government. It says here, it's hard to ignore the link between the city's retreat from po- prosecuting nonviolent offenses, misdemeanor arrests for dangerous drugs plunged by 94% between 2010 and 22, and end of stop and frisk policing and the rise of violence. It says here, Manhattan District Attorney Alvin Bragg is more interested in prosecuting Donald Trump and New Yorkers who bought, who bought fake COVID vaccine cards than menacing criminals. You don't comply with radical left-wing ideology. Alvin Bragg's coming after you. If you're a Trump supporter, if you're anti-vax, Alvin Bragg's coming after you. And meanwhile, these migrants, these migrants are roaming the streets of New York and, and committing acts of violence, criminal behavior. And they know they can get away with it. It says here, innocent New Yorkers pay the price 
sometimes with their lives. No wonder so many are migrating to Florida. No wonder so many people are moving to Florida. We, I think we played that clip not that long ago, whether it was from Fox News or somewhere, I forget, but it was basically <laughs> saying that the migrants don't commit those kinds of acts in Florida because they know they can't get away with it there. So then you've got ordinary citizens, New York <laughs> residents of New York City, saying, you know what, I think, I'll, I'll, I think I'd rather move to a place where there's a little more law and order. And the problem here, acknowledging it's a crisis, Mayorkas will do that, but of course it's Congress's fault, it's, uh, it's Donald Trump's fault. The country, as I say, even as we're just steeped in entertainment-crazed uh, activities, the country is being fundamentally transformed. I mentioned how the fake president yesterday uh, came out with this short video. Right at the time when a lot of people were going to the supermarket, buying a lot of snack foods, buying a lot of drinks and beverages for the big Super Bowl party, and then getting to the cash register and thinking, wow, this, this was a lot more expensive this year than it was last year. Listen to this from Joe Biden yesterday, clip four, or eight, sorry. The Super Bowl Sunday. If you're anything like me, you like to be surrounded by a snack or two while watching the big game. You know, when buying snacks for the game, you might have noticed one thing. Sports drinks bottles are smaller. A bag of chips has fewer chips, but they're still charging it just as much. And as an ice cream lover, what makes me the most angry is that ice cream cartons have actually shrunk in size, but not in price. I've had enough of what they call shrinkflation. It's a ripoff. Some companies are trying to pull a fast one by shrinking the products little by little and hoping you won't notice. Give me a break. The American public is tired of being played for suckers. I'm calling on companies to put a stop to this. Let's make sure businesses do the right thing now. But no Super Bowl interview. Certainly not. How many takes did this take, by the way? Shrinkflation? So it's Doritos' fault. Got it. It's there because they're making, they're putting four chips in the bag instead of five chips. So we've got to go after the makers of these snack foods. It's unbelievable. And they think, I guess they think this kind of a message resonates with, with American citizens. It doesn't. It doesn't. Listen to this report from uh, CNN. This is number 14. Then we also know from voters, especially those who are struggling economically right now, they have very little interest in foreign aid. And so Trump's argument sort of leans into that notion that America is overtaxed and contributing too much to countries around the world. It's a populist argument that uh, actually may be palatable to uh, folks outside of the Republican Democrats as well. Democrats as well, concerned about these skyrocketing costs, brought on by Bidenflation, brought on by Biden's economic policies. Now, the elites, they want to keep spending and sending billions to, they're fighting, they're fighting in Congress even as we speak. In the Senate, they couldn't get the border, the legalize the border invasion bill to go through. So now they've just got a separate package for Ukraine. We still want to get them the $60 billion. And Mitch McConnell, he doesn't want to talk to anyone about this. Certainly not the American people. He's living, like one of his his colleagues said over the weekend, he's living in bubble wrap. 
He's, he's not even accessible to fellow uh, Republicans. And, his, and in his mind, and he said so, the most important issue in the world is Ukraine and giving Zelensky and all the oligarchs in Ukraine billion, tens of billions of dollars. And then they're out there saying that these dreadful policies that are hurting so many people, at least that CNN report, acknowledged that, you know, actually this kind of message, it does resonate. Even with some, some Democrats, Donald Trump's you know, populist message that we need to stop sending so much money abroad and actually work on some of the problems right here at home. <laughs> well, I wonder why that actually would resonate with Republicans and Democrats. People see they're losing their country. Speaking of Republicans and Democrats, Republicans that are never Trumpers, and Democrats. This was a great piece by Tom Klingenstein. He talks about some of these well-known conservatives, or they used to be, like Bill Kristol and Tom Nichols, how that they, you know, they're, they've got Trump derangement syndrome. They hate Donald Trump. You see, it's the Chris Christie types, you know, the rhino Republicans. This, uh, this guy here is writing that Conservative apostates like Crystal and Nichols often speak of the need for comedy, civility, and moderation. Yet their own treatment of conservatives is dripping with demagogic hatred. Listen to these people that get so offended by a tweet from Donald Trump. Listen to the way they talk about Donald Trump. Listen to the way they talk about traditional conservatives. They hate them. And they're concerned about a, a tweet. It says here, what explains this realignment? He, he talks about how these conservative groups headed up by Crystal and others, they're, they're happily receiving money from these, these left-wing activist organizations. You know, the organizations that want to see the cities just go up in flames. And Crystal's there just raking it in. Yeah, yeah, it pays the bills. What explains this realignment? It would seem undeniable that the hardline never-Trumpers core disagreement with non-apostate conservatives is not simply about policy, but about our continuation and our, uh, our, sorry, our constitution and our way of life. They seem to recognize that America is in what might be called a regime war, or what the late uh, scholar Angelo Cotevilla called a cold civil war, so this guy breaks it down and basically describes the war that we're engaged in. On the one side, you've got the dear leader, Barack Hussein Obama. You've got the communist infiltration of the United States of America. I don't have time to read every little detail, but that's essentially what the guy's saying. We, uh, of course, have a lot to say about that communist infiltration, how that it was prophesied. There's a chapter there's a chapter in this particular brochure, he was right, that goes by that very title. The communist infiltration was prophesied. God has something to say about it. This article says here, this war is the result of aggression by the progressive left, driven by ideology of wokeness. We're familiar with its building blocks, the obsession with race, ethnicity, gender, an idiosyncratic understanding of equity, the supposed moral dichotomy between the oppressors and the oppressed. We understand its power in our culture, our politics, our schools, foundations. 
media, major corporations, federal and state bureaucracies, intelligence agencies, and in America's oldest political party, the Democrat Party. It says it existed before Donald Trump's entry into American p political life. I mean, Trump's entry has really exposed so much of it. But, but as this brochure brings out, I mean, this has been happening uh, since the end of World War II, this communist infiltration. And of course, Donald Trump is public enemy number one because he's the only one who will resist against it. I played the clip for you earlier. I mean, look at the rot that he's going to have to get in there and try to clean up some of these things. How can you even expect that he could make a lot of headway in four years, given even if he has mass deportations? I mean, given how many millions and millions have come along into the United States, and now they're roaming the streets of New York, shoplifting, beating up officers, firing off guns in the middle of the city. It says here, it existed before Donald Trump's entry into American political life, and it will continue after he departs the scene. It's merely the latest in a long series of ideological mutations labeled pejoratively, complementary or neutrally, depending on your view, your view uh, of the observer, multiculturalism, political correctness, cultural Marxism, cancel culture, social justice, equity, progressivism, identity politics, and the, the successor ideology. And the guy says, let's not get confused over the different terms that people use. It's a war. It's a war. Listen to this statement. And so the end goal of the progressive project is, in the words of President Barack Obama, the fundamental transformation of the United States of America. <laughs> now for much more on that, God has a lot to say about that fundamental transformation. Listen, or rather request, request, listen to me, request the book so that you can read this when, uh, when you're done watching this program. The 800 number you can see there, 1-866-930-3024. It talks uh, later on how that right now this radical movement is using the weapon of lawfare to try, it's not yet a hot war where it's one side against the other, and we've got to of course, say some uncomfortable truths about that, as it's prophesied in Ezekiel 4 and 5. But right now, the weapon of choice is lawfare. And you can really destroy some, particularly if they don't have the means to defend themselves. Donald Trump has that. A lot of people that went into the Capitol on January 6th don't. The weapon of lawfare. Let me just get a, a little ways into the conclusion here. It says, progressives are aggressively waging lawfare to crush political resistance to their transformationist agenda. Federal, state, and local governments are bringing frivolous criminal charges in an attempt to jail the leading presidential candidate of the opposition. Failing that, they aim to remove him from the ballot. He talks, these are all unprecedented. This never happened. It says here, too, the never-Trump conservative apostates have become willing allies of the woke regime. We've talked so often on this show about just how weak so many of them are. Some of them are, are active participates, uh, participants, I should say, in trying to bring down Donald Trump, the populist movement. Others, uh, they've just been worn down. They've just been, like Ehud Olmert said years ago, with respect to fighting against terrorism next door to Israel, 
We're just tired of fighting. They're tired of resisting this woke revolution, so they won't stand against it and fight it. It says, faced with blatant, such blatant attacks on the American way of life, so many disaffected and former Republicans choose either to join the enemy or to step aside with a, a plague on both your house's stance that in the final analysis makes them de facto allies of the enemy. It's like my father has written before about 1 John 2. They're neutral. They're neutral. They're just uh, observers. They're on the sidelines watching, watching the war as it plays out. But they won't fight. Bill Crystal won't, he won't look at what Joe Obama is doing and say, our country's being fundamentally transformed. No, he, he looks at the bad orange man and concentrates how uncouth he might be or how offensive one of his tweets might be. And then, just like Chris Christie said over the weekend, and then consider him, Donald Trump that is, a threat to national security. Chris Christie, who's a Republican, doesn't see, I guess, I guess he doesn't see what Joe Obama's doing as a threat to America's security. This is another article, the long one I told you about Jonathan Turley, or the one he wrote, I should say. We'll have to go quick. But it says here, Trump, this is just about the, the wonderful or the <laughs> successful week he had last week. Turley writes this, Trump had one of the best weeks in, in, in ca- as cases and, and critics seemed to implode from the disqualification effort in Washington to the scandal in Georgia. It says here, Trump is not out of the woods yet and is facing significant threats still in what is becoming a war of attrition. See, he just won't throw in the towel. He won't give up. And some of his chief persecutors... They're being exposed. They're like bubbles going down the stream. Some of them disappearing. He gives quite a few examples here. In Washington, well, he mentions the Supreme Court and just talked about how overwhelming that judgment most likely will be. Eight to one. Some have even suggested nine to zero. You can't just take them off the ballot. I mean, even if if the Biden appointee at the Supreme Court is questioning the, the constitutionality of that. That's not good for these Colorado radicals that want to take him off the ballot. It says here, the case, he talks about the case in Georgia. Fannie Willis, Nathan Wade, how that they misrepresented the facts in court about their illicit affair and that, that it started actually earlier than they told a judge. They lied. They're being exposed says this allegation, if true, could make the continuation of Willis and Wade in the case untenable. I mean, the case might go on, but <laughs> it's got to go fast, as Jack Smith keeps telling courts that will listen. We've got to get him in jail before the election. It says Trump has a curious fortune in critics who seem over time to combust in rather spectacular fashion. Listen to this. Michael Cohen, we, we've talked again about the uh, masterful trap that God sets for these lawless actors. Michael Cohen, his former lawyer, went to jail and lost his law license. At the Justice Department, various FBI officials from the Russia investigation were accused of wrongdoing and forced out by the DOJ. That included James Comey, who was found to have removed FBI material 
after Trump fired him and then gave it to a friend to leak it to the New York Times. Jim Comey, that's how he dealt with classified documents. You see how it works? They didn't even say, you know, we'll let Comey off because he's old and senile. They just didn't do anything. It's just normal. He means he's, he's leaking classified materials to the New York Times. No problem. Got to defend the leakers, right? We got to defend the truth. That's what Adam Schiff would say. I mean, of course, of course he should leak. If it's to take out Donald Trump. It says here in politics, former New York Governor Andrew Cuomo, who attacked Trump for his treatment of women, was forced out of office for sexual harassment. How about that? (laughs) He, he, He was really critical of Donald Trump for his treatment of women. And then look what happens to Andrew Cuomo. Michael Avenatti was sentenced to a long prison term for fraud and other crimes. This is what he was accusing Trump of. Senator Robert Menendez, who voted for Trump to be convicted in the Senate, is now under indictment for corruption. Bob Goldbars Menendez, he voted to convict Trump. Says, even in the arts, Trump critics have fallen from great heights. Comedian Kathy Griffin has not only become a persona non grata after her gory depiction of a beheaded Trump, but she's now beseeching people to buy tickets for a languishing comeback tour. Alec Baldwin, who scathingly played Trump, has been criminally charged after shooting a movie, a movie crew member. This is really unbelievable. You attack Trump and sometimes it doesn't always work out for you. Obviously, there's Trump supporters that have faced a lot of persecution. They're trying to have Peter Navarro sit in jail while he awaits his appeal. I mean, that's been determined. Who knows how long he'll sit in jail while he awaits an appeal, not showing up for a subpoena from Democrats. You know, things that Eric Holder and Hunter can do, no problem, but not Peter Navarro. Well, this article goes on and talks about the tide basically turning for Donald Trump. They've done everything that they can to destroy that man. And yet he just keeps going up in popularity. And meanwhile, this is later on in Turley's piece, 76% of Americans are concerned about Biden's mental fitness to be president. Maybe I can get into more of this on tomorrow's show, but as you can see, I'm out of time. The fastest moving hour of broadcasting. You're listening to Stephen Flurry, and this is the Trumpet Daily. We thank you for joining us on today's show, and we'll definitely see you again tomorrow.